Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hi, and welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne. This is Jess. We want to welcome you back to our series on trauma this month, and we are just going to hit a couple more topics here as we intersperse this in between some guests. So last week you got to hear from Monica Helvey, and she explained to us all about EMDR and how that works and how it works in a believer's life as well. Today, we're going to introduce to you another topic that we think is going to be really helpful for you because it's something that you can notice in yourself and your body, and you can do some things at home to make it better. So first of all, I'm going to have Jess explain to you the difference between hypo arousal and hyper arousal. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a fun topic. Okay. So with hypo arousal, um, this is in the section where we find ourselves feeling more um, blue or down or depressed um, with the concept of what we're talking about today, which is window of tolerance. Um, I often like to use colors to help identify kind of where we're at in the spectrum of things. And so hypoarousal falls more into the, what we would consider see as depressed states. Or like I was telling Anne, like I'm feeling more tired today. So I might be more um, in the blue phase than, than the green phase, which is when you're in your um most optimal state of functioning, right? So hypoarousal is when our arousal is lower than what our optimal state is or our baseline is. And let's just clarify what we mean by arousal here. We're not talking about sexual or romantic. No, not sexual arousal. What are we talking about here, Jess? Probably more emotional. And I would say there's a physiological component to this in terms of like how our body is responding. So you might feel more lethargic or have more brain fog or feel more detached or even like things like feeling dizzy, um, feeling kind of numb. These are things that we see a lot in the States. It's definitely not talking so much about um, sexual arousal. This is more of an emotional arousal or a mental arousal state. Yeah, and it does have that biological or physiological component, but a better word, if that word throws you off, another word might be like your (laughs) alertness. Like, are you on high alert or you tuned out to the world? Yes. Or yeah, are you I, just enough alert to keep yourself safe and, and going? Yeah, or, just and that's kind of right where we'd like to be. It kind of reminds me of uh, something funny is like, as you were saying that, I'm like, it's like Goldilocks and the three bears. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, is the bed too soft? Is the bed uh, too firm? Or is it just yes, right? right. <laughs> 
Exactly. Yes. What kind of porridge um, do you want today? <laughs> that's exactly right. So we can sub out that word hyper alert um, or hypo alert is such a great way to look at it if you're more comfortable with those words. Um, so in the the flip side of the hyper or hypo arousal or um, hypo alert, which remember is the blue or numb type state, mm-hmm. um, the flip side of that on the other end of the spectrum is hyper arousal or hyper alert, which means um, very alert, more alert than than what is in your quote unquote just right state, mm-hmm. right? And so in this state, um, we this is typically where we see things like um, anxiety, rage, um, you know, uh, just the fight or flight state is in in the um, hype. Er, <laughs> we could have confused the whole time. Hyper arousal state, whereas our freeze um, instinct happens in that hypo arousal state. So, if we could compare these to like animals, I think this might be helpful. So, um, your if, if you consider a possum, they're the ones that play dead, and so they have this built-in ability to turn their body to freeze to ward off predators because the predator is going to think they're already dead. And so why attack them? Whereas if you think about, um, like, let's say a rabbit, because we see rabbits all the time, no matter where you live, I think rabbits are pretty common and you'll see them with their ears twitching and their head might turn a little bit and they might freeze for a minute, but then they're going to be off running because they don't really have any other defenses except outrunning and hiding. (laughs) So they, I would say like hyper arousal, hyper always means too much of something. So hyper arousal is like, I'm a little, um, I'm a prey animal and I have to run away or I'm a, um, something that does have defenses. Like, let's think of what's a animal you don't want to see in your yard. I don't know. I mean, I even kind of think of, you know, I'm in the Midwest and so we see deer all the time. And even though they're a prey animal, they have been known to like, they will stomp out, Mm -hmm. um, other animals to defend their either, you know, (laughs) what's the word, the deer family members, there's a word for that. But again, I'm in the blue state today. So the brain fog is here. Just just if you need an example. Um, But I think about like a deer in headlights, right? Like they just freeze when they're, they see headlights, right? It's that same kind of state. Okay. So that's just a really brief rundown of what it means to be hyper aroused or hypo aroused and, or alert as we were saying. So The next concept we want to bring to you guys is this concept of a window of tolerance. And this was first coined by Dr. Dan Siegel, who is another one of those experts on on trauma and the brain and how that all works out. So um, he coined this term window of tolerance, which basically means there's an ideal spot that you can be. And it has some wiggle room depending on how big your window is, but there's an ideal spot for your functioning where you're aware of your your um, surroundings and your circumstances, but your emotions are under control and you have clear thinking, clear cognitive functioning, your body's working the way you want it to do. And that that's your window. Now, what happens with people who have had trauma and hopefully you're understanding a little bit more about this as we've had these first couple of episodes, uh, trauma can cause your window to shrink. And so if you have a very narrow window, you have to have things just so in order to stay within your, like your emotional boundaries to feel, to feel okay. 
you know, and to function appropriately. Uh, if we can just use a personal example, like Jess was just telling me that there's been a lot going on in her community. They had, they've had multiple deaths in the community in the last month. And as a pastor's wife, there's a lot to attend to there. And so because so much is going on, her window of tolerance has probably closed a little bit this week, which is why she's telling us that she's in a hypo aroused state because her body has to do something to kind of protect itself from the threat. And the threat right now, it's not like anybody's trying to hurt her or anything. It's just that there's been so much going on and she's had to expend so much emotional energy that she doesn't have a lot left right now. Yeah. And I love this perspective because when we think about our window of tolerance, and especially when we were talking about how things like past trauma or even current stress affects the window of tolerance, I think it can help speak to that shame part of us. That's like, I should be able to do more. I should push through. I should uh, be able to keep my house clean, do all of my work socialize, do all of these things while all this stressful stuff is going on. When we think of it from this perspective of how trauma and stress impacts the window of tolerance, it can potentially, it has the potential to help us say, oh, like this isn't something to feel ashamed about. This is just because I'm outside of my window of tolerance. And I love you use that word. It's the the body's way. It's really kind of cool how God created us, right? It's the body's way of protecting us and, and helping us to regulate in a way and trying to get us back into the window of tolerance. It's really, I always say this word and, you know, you hang out with me long enough, especially in this capacity. Um, I'm going to end up on a meme one day. One of my clients is going to make a meme, <laughs> but I'll, like, I just think it is really becomes really good information when mm-hmm. we take it from that perspective. I'm really tired today. What is that information? that my body is giving me. Mm -hmm. And one of the infographics that I will share in the show notes, if you guys would like to have a more of a visual for this, um, it describes the window of tolerance kind of like a river. And if you have ever seen a very wide river, like we used to live in Minnesota. And so there's parts of the Mississippi river that are very wide and they look calm, right? Like you could float on, on a large boat and everything would be just fine. If you go really far North into the boundary waters where things are, um, more narrow and more shallow, the river is moving very quickly and you have to be a lot more skilled to be able to navigate those, um, those rapids. So the way that we can think, use that metaphor in terms of the window of tolerance is that when the window is closed, the stream is moving a lot more forcefully and more, um, it feels more dangerous. Just like if you were watering your yard and you, um, you pinched off the hose or you put your, your thumb over the, the nozzle of the hose and the water has less room to come out. So it comes out with more force (laughs) and, um, same with, uh, with our bodies and our minds, if, if the window is smaller, things feel a little bit, uh, scarier and, and more forceful. And we're going to do some things in our bodies that are going to respond to that, that narrowing of that window. Yeah. And I love the, the hose metaphor, cause it makes me think of the word 
pressure, right? And so if you put pressure on the end of that hose, it's going to like spray with force. And the same thing in our lives, you put pressure on us, it feels a lot more unstable. In that yeah. yeah. So that's the basics of window of tolerance. And the cool thing is we know that trauma and stress can cause the window to shrink, but we also have ways of causing the window to widen. And when the window widens, the water flows more calmly things. We don't have to veer into hyper arousal or hypo arousal so easily because we can take on a lot more without feeling the pressure of that. So Jess, why don't you share with us some of the ways you like to teach clients to widen their windows? Yeah, I think um, one of the main primary places I start is with um, mindfulness exercises. And so a lot of that is it can include meditation, of course, Mm -hmm. like um, especially if they are someone who's integrating faith, um, giving them biblical meditations, offering them guided meditations, things like that. But even mindfulness and the act of present minded living. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, it's almost this idea of slowing down, even if it's just, I don't know, 60 seconds. And I literally I'll tell clients that like, if I can just get you to do this for 60 seconds a day, mm-hmm. um, that is really, really good. Right. And just to start retraining their minds to move out of living in the autopilot state that especially when your window is um, smaller, it, sometimes we compel ourselves to live in an autopilot state out of necessity a lot of times, but giving ourselves permission to just slow down. And um, I will have clients use this focusing on like their five senses and just pick one of those five senses and really pay attention to one thing um, in either the room that you're in, or if you're outside, like really take a curious stance around that, that you're looking at. Um, other things that you can do is I'm going to use the word self-care mm-hmm. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. and um, preface that always by saying, I think self-care gets um it's just misunderstood sometimes because it's been given this um, viewpoint of like, oh, self-care is if I go and get my nails done or if I get my hair done or if I go get a massage. And those are potentially examples of self-care. But for some people, those aren't things that help restore them. And so I, I think it's important to understand self-care as like restorative activities for your soul. That's why I love it. And that we talk about soul care, right? Because it, it helps us shift our understanding from that. So engaging in things that, um, just bring joy to you, I think can be really beneficial. Um, I had one more, I'm going to be honest, my brain, it just quit. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, if we think about, um, like a lot of people have an idea of what the soul is, but what, how does the soul function and the soul actually functions to pull together all these different aspects of your life, like what you do for your work, who you love, what you do with your body and your mind and your will, like your soul pulls all of those things together. So if we're talking about caring for our souls and using that as a method of widening our window of tolerance, then we can include things like restorative care for our bodies. Restorative care means stretching, breathing, Mm -hmm. taking leisurely walks, um, doing activities in your body that are, are gentle and enjoyable. Mm 
And then we could say, what, what do you do to uh, take care of your mind? Well, you might be working on learning something new or studying the Bible or studying something different, or it might just be having um, stimulating conversations with Mm -hmm. a like-minded friend, which is why Jess is here, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is part of our soul care. This is part of our soul care (laughs) to take care of our minds. And um, so it's meeting each of those, like, is your work meaningful to you? Is there a way that you could make it more meaningful? Is your your exercise routine or your, is your diet helping you or hurting you? Um, are you resting enough at night? All of those things. Yes. Yeah. I think it's important, especially in the conversation of window of tolerance to acknowledge like things like getting a proper adequate amount of sleep, right. Mm -hmm. Um, going to bed at a decent hour or whatever that looks like for you and your schedule. Um, are you getting enough fruits and vegetables and enough protein? Um, are you drinking enough water? Are you hydrated enough? Um, all of those things absolutely impact the window of tolerance as Mm -hmm. well. Even do you have a supportive social network, whether that is family church, family, friends, siblings, mm-hmm. um, that is something we'll put, we should probably do an episode later on loneliness because oh, that is yes. something that a lot of people are struggling with and they think that they can figure out how to make it better, but on their own and it's not working. So, yeah. Um, That would be one of the other things that widens our window of tolerance when we can share burdens with other people who Mm -hmm. are supportive and even laughing with people, singing songs is actually one of the things that widens your window. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I will talk with clients about this using the acronym HALT. And I feel like we may have talked about HALT before in the past, but the acronym um, would speak more to the things that are shrinking your window of tolerance. If you're looking to expand it, we're going to look at the opposite of these things, right? But HALT stands for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And all of those things impact your window of tolerance and your capacity for what you have to be able to handle in that moment. Right. Like if I'm cooking dinner and I'm working as fast as I can, but I'm actually really hungry and I have a kid that comes up and says, I'm super hungry. And I'm like at at my max, then I'm not going to respond with the nice, gentle, loving parent that I am. I'm going to, (laughs) I'm going to snap because I'm already hungry. Yes. Because you're already outside of your window of tolerance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. That's why those Snicker commercials are true to form. <laughs> right? so right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I feel like just talking about the window of tolerance is just another way of showing, um, like what we always talk about here on the soul grit podcast is that you have to care for your soul and sometimes going to therapy is the thing. Sometimes just like we said, taking care of your body, taking care of your soul, your faith, your, um, your mind, all of those things are going to work towards widening your window of tolerance. So I would put out the challenge here that if you do not have a practice that you do on a daily or weekly basis for taking care of yourself, this is your wake up call. This is your sign that you need to start something. So I want to put out a challenge to listeners that if you're starting something new, or if you have something that you do already, we want to hear about it. So 
post on the, on your social media and tag us or go over to soul grit resources on Facebook or Instagram and let us know what you're doing to widen your window of tolerance. And it'll be fun to see what people come up with. Yeah. And I would even love, can I extend the question? Okay. I would even love to hear, um, one thing that you're going to try to add into or, um, increase maybe, or be more intentional with that you're doing, um, to be intentional with this concept of window of tolerance and taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's just a small, just a tiny one, small thing, we're going to talk here in a minute about specific things that you can be doing when you find yourself outside of the window of tolerance, what's one thing that you would like to try that might be new? Yeah. So I'd like to challenge you also to reframe it in your mind when you're starting to feel agitated and you know Mm -hmm. what this, you know what this feels like. Like when I just described what it feels like to be the mom cooking dinner and there's a kid pestering you, like, you know what that feels like in your body, or maybe you are a guy and at work, there's a customer or a student or there's somebody that is just hitting that nerve. And you might be out of your window of tolerance because of one of those things that just mentioned like you're, you're angry or you're you're tired or you're lonely or you're just hungry. It's not lunchtime yet. And so I think once you start labeling it, naming it, what's happening in your body and you can say, Oh, I'm not a jerk. I'm just out of my window of tolerance, or I don't really hate people. I'm just, you know, I'm just feeling a little hyper aroused right now. Once you start naming it as that, that's going to give you the power and ability to start responding to it. So Jess, how would you challenge people to respond to it? If you've listened to the Soul Grit podcast for even one episode, you know my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling to marketing their practices to Christians to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com slash courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. Um, I think first, like you said, it's that just being aware of it. And then, so say that we're in the agitated state. So just for review, that is our um, hyper alert or hyper arousal state. So in that state, what our body is communicating to us is that we have more alertness than what we need. And so we need to find ways to calm that down. Some things that might be helpful for, um, for people who are listening is deep breathing. I think this is like just a foundational helpful tool (laughs) to bring into the equation, but, um, I typically will recommend um, the in-breath to be longer than the out-breath. If it's helpful to give counts, um, I would say a breath in of four, and then you hold for two and then breathe out for six. That's an example. I don't know that there's necessarily magic in those numbers. Um, because sure I, somebody has studied it, but yeah. they, there's lots of different ways that you can experiment with it. Like the box breathing you do yes. for four beats in 
four beats hold, four beats out, four yes. beats hold yes. before you breathe in again. Yes. So lots and lots of ways that you can do this. Um, and I, just like I say, it's to me, it's more um, important that the exhale is longer than the inhale. And even like that breathing all the way in, filling your lungs as much as you can holding and then breathing out can be a really helpful way to help regulate yourself out of that hyper arousal state back into um, the back into your window of tolerance. Um, other things that I think can be helpful are just grounding exercises, you know, five, four, three, two, one, which what we're talking about there is you're taking your five senses, you're naming five things you can see, four things that you can hear, so on and so forth. Um, that can be a really helpful tool. Um, interestingly enough, things like um, taking a sip of cold ice water. And I like this one because I think a lot of um, our, I'm going to just speak it into existence, potentially younger listeners. <laughs> they have, if you've heard that term, like emotional support water bottles, they carry them oh. around all the time. Right? I have one right I have here. mine, yeah. I must be a young person. <laughs> <laughs> I have mine too. I go. And if you can hear, it has ice in it. Mm. So that it's always ice cold. Um, so that if I am feeling a little bit stressed, I can go to that as a way to kind of um, snap myself back into where I'm at in my body. So those are a couple things that I could think of. What would you add? Yeah, I would say anything that is body-based is going to be really helpful right now, because uh, if you're somebody that struggles with anxiety or depression or anything in between, you know, that a lot of the struggle is up there in your mind and yeah. it, it plays out in your body, but a lot of times what you're struggling with are the kinds of thoughts that have, have taken root in your brain. And so if you can remind your body where you are in time and place, then a lot of times you can uh, rewire what's going on in your brain. So if I am in my mind, freaking out about something, let's say, um, uh, somebody just reminded me for small businesses, taxes are due, something like that. And I, yeah, could, yeah. I could be freaking out about something like that. That's really, you know, not, not something that I should be worrying about. But um, if I can go, oh, I can feel if I slip off my Birkenstocks right now, what I can feel is yeah, yeah. there's, there's like um, a soft carpet underneath and, um, I actually can feel the little nubs on the fabric of the seat that I'm sitting mm -hmm. on. And I just felt the air conditioner kick on because yeah. it's Southern California in September. <laughs> just wearing tell a sweatshirt. Yeah, right. <laughs> I am wearing a hoodie. Uh, it's chilly here. Welcome to Indiana. Can I point out something that I noticed even as you're doing that? And I know we're like a mug, it's a mock example, but even as you were saying that, like your shoulders softened a little yeah. bit. And so it's so interesting that even when you might not actually be like way up in the hyper arousal state, you might be a little anxious about it. Even doing this activity just helps your body go, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> right. yeah. um, so just noticing where, where your senses are, your senses are the way that your body takes information in from the world. And so if you tune into that, instead of the anxious thoughts, then you can 
um, like ground yourself in time and place. The other thing that can be really helpful is changing your sensory environment. So let's say I can feel, like I said, the carpet, the air conditioning, the, these things around me, but I'm still feeling really anxious. What I could choose to do is to get up and get an ice pack out of the freezer mm-hmm. and put it on my neck, or I could wash my hands in cold water, or I could chew some peppermint gum, or I could smell some essential oils, or uh, I could do any of these things that kind of change the sensory input that I'm getting. And that will cause my body to do a little mini reset at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I do within this with clients is I actually will encourage them to begin to explore for their sensory system. What are some things we categorize two different categories here? What are things that when you see them, smell them, hear them, touch them, or taste them, that feels calming to you? Just bring a curiosity into your day and say, oh, like for me, when I, if this is so for those of, I don't know if we're YouTubing or not, but this room that I'm in is, um, has a lot of light blue colors and this is my calm room. That's actually what this room is built for. Um, and it's because like that light blue color that reminds me of the sky and of water is calming for me. So I, I take notice and take notice of those things on the flip side of that. What are things that when I see them, it feels energizing to me, bright yellows might be in that. Um, seeing the sunshine feels energizing to me. And so just making note for myself, what is calming and what is energizing. And then utilizing those. If I'm in my hyper arousal state, I know I want to lower my alertness. So I'm looking for calming activities. Mm-hmm. Then my hypo arousal state, then I'm in a decreased alertness, right? And so I would want to find things that feel more energizing to me. If there's a scent, like for me, lavender would be calming, but citrus smells would be energizing mm-hmm. and helping to build a toolbox that way that is tailored a little bit to each mm-hmm. individual person. Yeah. So that sometimes can be really helpful. I used to have a friend a long time ago that really struggled with depression and she painted her hallway like traffic cone orange. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and when people first came over and started seeing that, she called it her Prozac color. Because it was the the color itself was an antidepressant for her. And so you can think about that. Also music, you, you know, you have your sad songs and your pump up songs and those, those can be useful as well. Yeah. And I would say too, um, specifically with when we're talking about the hyperarousal state, things like progressive muscle relaxation, which is just a fancy um, term for when we use our breathing and we practice tightening and relaxing different parts of our body. And this is something that sure you can go and like YouTube different guided meditations on this, Mm -hmm. but even doing this like with your fist. And as I breathe in, I'm going to clench really, really tight. And when I breathe out, I'm going to relax and release everything I can. That can be really helpful. It goes along with the concept of like a stress ball, having something in your hand to squeeze and to release that also can help just kind of get some of that energy out and help call attention to the relaxation part of that. It's teaching your muscles how to relax again because they kind of forgot for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm hoping that this short episode is giving you some ideas of, 
um, just noticing when you're hyper aroused or hypo aroused and what you can do to try to shift that into back into your window of tolerance. Remembering that window of tolerance is where you function the best. That's when your emotions and your cognitive ability and your physical abilities are going to be all online and humming and working perfectly or, or as best they can. So that's where we like to be, but we all know that some things happen that, that pull us out on one direction or another. Um, and we're remembering that God is with us on both of those ways too. We don't only follow God when we're in our window of tolerance, but he's there for us when we're, uh, freaking out and when we're, um, just kind of wanting to lay in bed. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He's there through it all. So that would be the last tip I want to give is just to maybe find some verses that really um, speak to you in those. And I think you'll know there's some of us that tend to go more on the the up and more some that go more on the down, right? So if you're a person that tends to be anxious a lot, you might find yourself being hyper aroused and you might need some, a little bit of um, the holy Bible that is helping you to be calmed down and to reassure you. And if you're the other way, if you're like, um, like a Jeremiah, like you, you kind of just, uh, might need something that reminds you of the joy of the Lord. So that would be how I would encourage you to tie in your faith in this point. Yes, absolutely. Great idea. All right. Well, thanks for being with us next week. We're going to have another guest speaker interview about brain spotting, which is another way of treating trauma in your brain. And of course, as always, if these things that Jess and I are mentioning today, you're trying them, but you're really having a hard time implementing them or getting to the bottom of some things, we're always going to encourage you to find a therapist, especially one who has that same um, faith in God that you do. Yeah. Thanks for being here. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.